More women are now out earning their husbands and one spouse, one gender, I should say, is getting emotional about it. And maybe not the one you think, guys. We're going to get into it with broke millennial author Aaron Lowry back again and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I am Erin Lowry, coming to you from Queens, New York. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like broke millennial author, Erin Lowry. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. This episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet, automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 20% off your first year. And of course, you also support our show, which we truly appreciate. And we appreciate you, Aaron Lowry, for being here again. Well, thanks so much for having me back. Always a good time to be here. Yeah, so we had a great show yesterday talking about being prepared for the coronavirus. Now we're gonna talk about something that is right up your alley, the fact that more women are out earning their husbands, which hits close to home for you. It does. So this article comes to us from USA Today. Wait, with hold off one second. Hold off. We're going to see. We have to see which one of our money friends is going to bring us into the headlines. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tune to Money with Friends. So Aaron is going to start with the first headline. It is from USA Today by Amy Peachy, P-I-C-C-H-I. Amy, thanks for writing this. Aaron, you're up. More women are now out earning their husbands and emotions can be big. With women now comprising more than half of the U.S. workforce, it's perhaps no surprise that another seismic shift is happening in American homes. A growing share of women are now their family's breadwinners. About half of women say they out earn or make the same amount as their husbands or partners, according to a new survey from TD Ameritrade. That marks a rapid change within just a few generations given that only 3.8% of women earned more than their husbands in 1960, according to Pew Research Center. To be sure, that means about half of American women say they earn less than their partners. With International Women's Day observed on March 8th, the United Nations says no country has yet achieved gender parity, and the gender pay gap in the U.S. is still very real, with the country coming in at 53rd out of 153 countries in equality. Yet in a growing number of U.S. households, women are now earning more than their husbands and partners. There are plenty of emotions about this shift, but mostly among women, the TD Ameritrade study found. When men and women were asked how they felt about earning more than their partners, the most men shrugged it off by saying they were, quote, neutral about it. Women breadwinners, though, were far more likely than men to describe themselves as secure, proud, independent, and in control, although they were also more likely to say they felt guilty and embarrassed. The sense of pride is one that rings true with Beth Shockey, 38, who works in advertising and lives with her husband and two daughters in Charlotte, North Carolina. Shockey says she earns about twice the income of her husband, a high school guidance counselor. Quote, there are a lot of emotions tied to it because we use society to think the man is a sole provider, she says. For her, it didn't hit home until she and her husband had children when she understood that she would never be a stay-at-home mom like her own mother. Quote, it was that realization that I was the breadwinner and I would always be working, Shockey adds. But she points out it's also an empowering role 
that lets her set an example for her daughters who are two and four. Millennial shift. It is likely that more women will become their family's breadwinners in years to come, given that more women are enrolled in college now than men, points out Valier Simpson, Managing Director of Investor Services at TD Ameritrade. That's because workers with college degrees typically earn more than those with only high school degrees. Already, there are clear generational shifts, with millennial women almost twice as likely as women in the baby boomer generation to earn the same as their partners, she says. But more than one in five millennials say they experience negative friction in their relationship because one partner earns more, yet only one in 10 boomers says it causes frictions. And then the quote is, millennials are facing different challenges, such as college debt, cultivating their careers. Simpson points out that puts more pressure on them to think about their finances. About two of three millennials in relationships keep at least one separate bank account from their partner. That suggests they enjoy the freedom to spend their own money however they want. And who makes the investment decisions? Well, there's still a wide gender gap when it comes to which partner is calling the financial shots, according to TD Ameritrade. About two-thirds of men say that they make their household's investment decisions, the survey found. And six in 10 women said they wish that they had more confidence in their financial decision-making, according to a recent study from Allianz Life. At the very least, the partner who is managing the finances should provide a report or explanation about their decisions to the other, says Shelly Ann Huica, a wealth management director at TIAA. But she adds that more women should be involved in those investment choices, especially because women have longer lives than men on average and will need to make their retirement income stretch for more years. And as for Shockey of North Carolina, her advice is to embrace it, be proud of what you've worked for, and if you have a supportive partner, they should be proud of you too. I like that part at the end. I do too. Yeah. So you have a lot to say about this. Oh, I sure do. So I am the breadwinner in our household. Actually, kind of a similar dynamic to Shockey and her husband because my husband also works in education. He's a teacher, a public high school teacher, and I do have variable income. So yes, there have been some years where it's been twice as much as he earns, but it does depend. And he actually jokes that he wants to write his own book about like, just deal with it, having a breadwinning wife. Like he doesn't understand why this is actually a topic of conversation. It's like, okay, great. You earn more than me. So what? And that I find to be a very interesting dynamic. I do know people where that, that quote-unquote imbalance is a stressor in their relationship. I think it's important to point out this is obviously only an issue in heterosexual couples. And something that I'm also curious about, this is just my own personal theory, again, not backed up by anything in terms of surveys or studies, but I think that where the stress really lies is if there's a shift during the relationship. I think if you came in with the woman being the breadwinner and that was the paradigm that you were used to, I could see there being angst if it becomes a shift and the man starts out earning and vice versa. If the man always out earned the wife and then 15 years in, that starts to shift. I think it's when you kind of unsettle the balance that you've created for yourself in your relationship, that's where the tension can actually start. Now, what do you think about the generational differences? Because you're millennial, I am Gen X. And I will tell you, a lot of our listeners know I did have a brief marriage in my 20s. And during that marriage, I was unexpectedly the breadwinner. Again, it was a shift after the relationship. When we got together, he was the breadwinner. By the middle of our marriage, I was the sole breadwinner. He was starting a business, which had no income. So 
that was one of, that really caused a lot of problems. And I'm, as I said, I'm a Gen Xer. As a millennial, do you think that there's a generational thing? I do think, I don't think that the difference between Gen X and millennial is quite as stark as it would be between millennial and boomer, Gen X and boomer. And a big, and I talk about this a lot. I, I think that a big part of this reason is just because of our access to opportunity that previous women just simply did not have. And they were legally kept out of opportunities. And for, I mean, even the 1970s is when women really could truly have a level of financial autonomy And that means that really Gen Xers and millennials are the only two generations to really get to embrace that. And I think that now, especially for millennials, and I'm sure we'll see it even more with Gen Z, we've now had time to essentially play catch up as a generation. So of course, we're going to start seeing more parity begin to happen in relationships and in dynamics like that. Yeah, even the 1970s, I think, were very restricted. I mean, my mom was, you know, a a young woman in the 70s, and she was initially a teacher, and she was a teacher. She wanted to see the world. She was very much um, curious to travel, and she initially wanted to be a flight attendant. So she said the only jobs available really were things like nurse, flight attendant, and teacher, and she was not allowed to be a flight attendant because she was too short. So therefore, she became a teacher, and she was able to teach in Taiwan. And that was considered radical because she didn't come back to the States until she was 24 to get married. So she was a very old bride when she met my, my, my dad. Well, um, and there's I, that's another the point. way it is. But then she did go, once she had the opportunity, she did go in her 40s, which was ancient at the time, she did go to law school and become a lawyer. And first, that is awesome. And second, I think, though, that that is the point. At 24, she was an old bride, not, you know, for me, two generations back from what I am. And I was 29, just shy of 30 when I got married. And in New York, a lot of my friends were like, oh, you're still so young. 20s is so young to get married. I mean, there's been such a big shift in that. And then you also think that if you're not getting married until your 30s, you've established a career, you have your own money, like all of these things have already happened that weren't happening for women of previous generations before really Gen X. And that's, again, another big reason that one, we could be out earning and two, that we want to have, again, that idea of some separate bank accounts, a level of autonomy when it comes to our money and our marriage. Yes, we taped this live in front of a Facebook Live audience. We have here with us part of our Money with Friends community, Chris Browning from the Popcorn Finance Podcast, who was a previous co-host on an earlier season here with us on Money with Friends. You want to grab that comment from Chris? Yes, and I love it. Chris says, I agree with Aaron's husband. What's the big deal? Growing up, my mom was the primary breadwinner and my dad did most of the household work. And you know what's so important about that? It is really important to see that kind of dynamic play out because then it shows you that like, hey, this is fine. This is normal. It's not a big deal. And I also will say on the flip side, for men who are serving as primary caregivers in a relationship, we also need to be putting better systems into place to support them because so much of that rhetoric is like mommy and me, things with the mommy, and it can be a very isolating, especially socially experience for them as well. So we have to be better on both sides. And Annette has a comment that actually adds to that, Erin. Yes. Annette says, my husband felt the pressure to step it up when we had kids because he did not want to be a stay-at-home dad. He had it or he made it happen and now makes what we made combined. There you go. That's pretty good. 
So yep. people are like people adjust. I mean, society changes, our cultural norms and expectations do change as we go through different generations. I think it's interesting to watch how this is all happening. Um, we do have some comments also from our Instagram friends, which by the way, everyone, our handle on Instagram is at Money Friends Pod. If you want to get a shout out on the show and you can't be here with us live on Facebook Live, we also tape sometimes on our YouTube channel as well. Now, this might be the same Annette because this Instagram handle is the Annetter. And I love this point. It says, we have gone back and forth as long as we make enough. I don't care where it's coming from. It's a great question. Or a like great that. statement. Money is money. I am the real spoon says, booyah. <laughs> Jackster says, no feelings. Josh MC7 said, I would have no problem letting my wife be the breadwinner. I'd be happy for her. Vincent says, I'm a very high earning male. So I love that my girlfriend makes more than me. She's my sugar mama with a laughy crying emoji face. And debt free millennial says, we don't have mixed emotion on it. Shrugging emoji. Oh, what do you think about the part of the piece, Aaron, that says about talks about making investment decisions? Because it seems like the women are earning the money, but there's less of managing the money. Yeah. Um, again, strong feelings. Makes me a bit upset. We need to be doing both. Now, you shouldn't just be deferring to a husband just because he's a husband with managing the money. Again, it probably comes to surprise to no one that I make the investment decisions in our household and I manage. I am the quote unquote CFO of the Lowry Peach household. And the thing is, he is very much kept in the loop. Every time I'm going to make an investment, we have a conversation about it. To be honest, he's not told, he doesn't really care, but he still knows. He knows where the money is. We, that's the big thing as they talk about longevity, women tend to outlive men. So if you're not actively engaged for whatever reason, maybe it's not of interest of you. Maybe your partner is the one that like truly enjoys doing that side of things. You still need to know where all the money is, what the passwords are and the information to get access to it, who you need to call if something happens to your spouse. That all needs to be completely understood by both parties. Because again, not to be a Debbie Downer, things happen, Mm -hmm. especially unexpectedly. Absolutely. And it's important to be informed. Even if you trust them completely and everything is on the up and up, things happen and you need to know what's going on, especially documents like insurance. And that's another reason it's good to have bills be automated so that that stuff Mm -hmm. won't all fall apart. God forbid something does happen. Any final comments before we get to our takeaways? I really love this piece, but I do. It it continues to distress me to a degree how often the rhetoric is like, oh, great, women are earning more and we have stronger presence in the workforce, but we're still handing over all of our financial lives to another person. So I'm really hoping in Gen Z and whatever we name the generation coming up after them, that that starts to be more of a parity switch and we or shift, I should say, and that we see, you know, together and that it's 50-50 split or what have you. And it's not just the default that the man handles the household money. I think that's an excellent point because also I don't have the stat at my fingertips right now, but I know that there's a very large stat of a certain, a huge amount of women will involuntarily end up managing their money, whether they like it or not. They may Mm -hmm. hand it off to a professional, but inevitably many women will find themselves through being single, through being divorced, through being widowed, um, 
unexpectedly and, you know, not happy about it in many cases, but being, having to take charge of their money. So maybe be prepared further in advance. Okay. That was a preview of our takeaways. Before we do our official takeaways, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Tiller because Tiller um, is supporting money with friends. Tiller helps you manage your money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet. It's the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending, transactions, and balances. Unlike financial apps that force you to compromise, spreadsheets are fully customizable for your needs. Tiller makes them even better with an automatic daily feed of your spending, balances, and transactions. Tiller eliminates data entry, multiple account logins, and CSV files. You just connect your banks once and you can see your transactions automatically updated each day. Basically, once you set it up, you don't have to do anything. If you go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF, you're going to get more information. You're going to get a free trial and best of all, 20% off your first year. You're welcome. The lot, the uh, URL again is tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. That 20% off just for money with friends, people. And by the way, thank you for using our link because when you use our link to sign up, you do help to support the show. Takeaway time. I'm going to let first? you go first. Okay, I'm going first. You get the final word. So my first reaction to this piece was what took so long. But I also like the fact that there was some acknowledgement that being the breadwinner also comes with pressure. We had that woman talking about the fact that she felt guilty. She couldn't, she was never going to be a stay-at-home mom. And that was something she kind of had to make peace with. Um, so maybe that's not always appreciated, whoever the breadwinner is, that there is a certain amount of pressure that comes with it. What I did not like was that the majority of men, the majority, in the majority of cases, men were making the investment decisions, even if the woman was earning more of the money. Earning money can only go so far in terms of empowerment if you then hand over the money and all the decision-making power to someone else. That's so true. I totally, the investment thing is just really sticking with me, to be honest, that feeling of and again, if that's the person in your relationship dynamic who is just genuinely more interested in handling it, that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that just because you're the breadwinner, you should be making all of the financial decisions. I just would prefer that couples sit down together and have this conversation together and make decisions together as opposed to just handing it over to one person to be in control. And as I mentioned earlier, if you are not actively engaged with making all of the financial decisions in your household, please at least know all of the information, know how to get access to that money if something does happen to the primary person. And as the breadwinning woman of my household myself, I actually do get, I don't feel guilty. I would never use that word, but also we don't have children. Maybe I would feel differently if we did have non-fur babies. But I will say that, yeah, it does come with a certain type of pressure that does make you feel empathy for previous generations where we're still a two income household. I can't even imagine the pressure of one income household solely resting on you. Yeah, that's that is a lot. I acknowledge that. But I'm glad that women now have, you know, legally the opportunity to be both making the money and having some level of financial autonomy for themselves too. Yes. And even though you make the great point that future generations, hopefully will see more women getting more active in investing. Hopefully it won't just be them. Hopefully women of all generations will do that um, now ish yeah. soon um, before they are forced to, hopefully they'll do it in a way that it's um, that they can educate themselves and take their time and come aboard um, in a way that's comfortable with them. Erin, where can people follow you and learn more about you? And keep in touch you with all your can, projects. Yeah. So all the plugs. Brokemillennial.com is kind of the main hub where you can see, 
you know, what used to be the blog and now is just sort of the all-encompassing hub of you can learn about my books, you can learn about me, of the work that I've done. You can find me most actively now on Instagram at Broke Millennial Blog, where every other Wednesday I do an Ask Me Anything. So if you have something that's bugging you, come on in and ask, or you can always DM me in the interim and on Twitter at Broke Millennial. Very well said. We look forward to following you. You're going to be back in about another four weeks. Um, if people want to learn more about Erin, first of all, she will be back again. I think we have two more sets of two shows that she'll be doing as part of our cast this season. So we'll look forward to that. And if you want to learn more about her and the rest of our season three cast and actually all of our previous casts, you can check out our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. And to be part of our Instagram polls, moneyfriendspod is our handle both on Instagram and on Twitter, stick close to the Instagram stories to find out when our show tapings are coming up. So you could be part of the audience. We're on Facebook Live at facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. And we are on our YouTube channel more and more as well. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you just search for Money with Friends on YouTube and you will find us there. We're doing more and more shows on YouTube as well. So thank you, Aaron, for joining us. We'll see you in four weeks. Always fun. Excited to come back. All right. And thanks, everyone. Have a great day. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Cini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.